0: The King of Kings. You are the Lord. You You are the hope in our yes, Lord. You You yes,
1: Blessings and honor and welcome to the Threshing Floor of Biblical Studies. Blessings and honor to you, Apostle Tate. Uh, Thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate your presence here with us as we worship the Father. Uh, I just want to spend a couple more times honoring the God whose eye is on the earth. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) His eye is upon us. We're not out of his eye. So, Father, we just worship you and just bow before you, Father. We just give your name the praise and the glory and the honor. We thank you that you're not far from us, that you're not a God who is far off from your people. We thank you that you're present With us, Lord, although we are experiencing the absence of the physical Christ, we thank you for your comforter that has come to us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our teacher and that you are the one who are preparing for yourself a people who will know you. In the power and authority of your kingdom. Father, we thank you for bringing us together, for carrying us through, oh, such another, another, another month. We thank you for this new month that you have given unto us and all that you have called for us to do within this month. We come, Lord, to offer unto you, Lord, our best praise. And our best prayer, Father, we don't take for granted that you, Lord God, are God, and that you are sovereign in the affairs of man. We thank you for the voice of your kingdom that you are building so that we would be able to be used for your glory. We thank you that the glory that shall yet be revealed in us is not something that is unobtainable. It's not something that's far off from us, but it is something that is very present. Oh, Father, you said that deliverance is nigh us even in our mouth, the word of truth. And so as you gather your people together in the place Of worship as you gather your people together in spirit and in truth, Lord, not in buildings that are made by man's hand, but in spirit and in truth, Lord, you have gathered us together tonight on this line. And you have allowed us, Father God, to come before you without any limitations as to how much we can receive from your presence. And so we bask in your presence, Lord. We lay down every weight, every process, every thought process, every physical process that we had to go through before we even got here, Lord. To be able to come together because your word says that whenever two are gathered together in your name, that you are in the midst. So we thank you for being in the midst of us. We thank you for being mighty in the midst of us, O God. We thank you, Father, for that which you desire to do in us by your Holy Spirit. And that is not something that we cannot, Lord God, comprehend. It is not something that is going to be diminished or or labeled as not as important, Father. But it is very much important to you that we have this time together is very much important to you, Lord, that we function in the way that you have called us to function in the body of Christ. We thank you that father, we stand in the authority that you have given unto us as believers, as those that you have called to the five fold ministry. We thank you father for every soul that shall hear these teachings We thank you for those that are lost, that are without direction, that receive the entrance of your word, that giveth light, that allows their footpaths, Lord God, to go into a new direction, especially those who are going in the wrong direction or those that are stuck in times of past. Oh, Father, you had declared in times past, Lord God, that the servant, the lawgiver, Moses, had died and that behold, you were doing a new thing. And in that new thing that you decided to do for humanity, Father, you made a way for us, oh Lord, all the way back then, that we should be partakers of your divine nature. So we thank you, Father, that we are being led by your spirit and not the Moseses of our past. We're being led by your spirit, Lord, and not our own opinion, we're being led by your spirit, Lord, and not by any false wind or doctrine, but we're being led by your spirit according to the covenant of your blood. Yes, Lord. And so, Father, because you have loved us with such great love, we think it not robbery to take this time to appreciate all that you are doing in us and through us and for us. Oh, Father, we love you today. And we appreciate you, Lord. We appreciate all that you're doing. Thank you so much for your loving kindness and your tender mercy. Thank you for visiting us, Lord. Thank you for ministering to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for correcting us. Thank you most of all, Lord, for loving us. And teaching us how to love one another, how to be present in the lives of the believers and one another, how to be present within our communities, how to be present within those things that you have called us to do. Oh, Father, you see the spirits of opposition that are against us. You see the things that are opposing the work that you have assigned to our hands you see the conversations of flesh and those who have decided to rebel against you yet benefit from your word or from your Holy spirit that is in our lives. And so father, you see those that are running to try to shipwreck us because they desire to have their way with us and not your will for their life. You see those Lord that are trying Lord to hinder us. That are sent as monitoring spirits, those that come to monitor, those that come to hinder the work of God. And so, Father, we lay the ministries of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the hand of God that is in the earth before you. We lay the fivefold ministry before you tonight and we ask for your mercy upon each and every finger that is out of line Father, we pray for the body of Christ, the fivefold ministers that are out of order. We pray for those that are in rebellion, those that are in witchcraft, those that are in the flesh, those that are operating out, Lord God, of a Jezebel spirit, those that are operating through hatred, through self-sabotaging spirits, Lord God, those that are operating in fear. And most of all, Father, you're those you're that are operating in rebellion, we stand as intercessors in the gap for them even now. And we take authority over the spirit of rebellion. We take authority over the spirit of witchcraft. We take authority over the hand of the enemy that is utilizing them and their. Perspective uh, offices, Lord, that is hindering the work of your kingdom. We call forth your warring angels, those who are skilled, Lord God, in dealing with fallen angels and spirits who are operating, Lord God, yes. illegally in the body of Christ. Yes. Every illegal act of every illegal demon, every demonic spirit that is operating illegally against the hand of God, against the fivefold ministry. We call them into judgment by the covenant of your blood. Even now, even as Yeshua HaMashiach, when he walked the earth and he entered into the town and the demons that were tormenting that town, oh God, father, they said, have you come? to torment us today. Oh, father, you gave us a perfect example. When he, allowed them to go into the pigs. But father, we have already received salvation. We have already received the authority that you have given unto us. And you have taught us even in that parable that you Lord God have been given authority over the demonic entities that had risen up and taken control over the town and the community where the son of God desired to work. And you have called us to work in the town and in the communities where you have planted us. And you see the demonic forces as you did in that day who are operating in our town without legal rights or representation that do not have bodies that have demonically possessed people and that are operating illegal according according to the governor of the kingdom of God. Oh, Father, we bring the light of your kingdom into this earthly realm. We bring the light of your kingdom. We bring it into the city and state and the town in which we live. We bring the light of your kingdom, Father, to contend with those who are operating through false prophecies and through demonic entities and altars that have been erected against the body of Christ. In the region in which you have called us and in which we live, we stand as intercessors in the gap for the body of Christ who is out you know of man, order do do? and who is out of the realm of obedience. We bring forth, Lord God, the hand of your correction through your apostles, your prophets, your teachers, your evangelists, your pastors. We bring them back into alignment. We bring them back to the place of authority. We bring them back to the place, Lord God, of speaking your word. We bring them back to accuracy, hearing and obeying the word of God. We call them out of the darkness that the God of this world have driven them in. We call them out of the caves and the places of hiding. We call them out of the places, Lord God, with their enemy is running rapid with their mindsets and we bring them into the clarity of your voice. For your word says that your sheep know your voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Therefore, we call the fivefold ministry back into alignment in the In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, In the name of Jesus, we call them back into alignment. We realign them even now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for all that you're doing within the body and all that you are causing your people to do and to find and to obey. We thank you for this time of study and there will be no retaliation over these prayers and we seal it through the covenant of your blood in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you all who are on the line. Oh my God. And we're going to just jump right into the word of God. And I'm not going to be before you long um, because uh, the Holy Spirit told me not to be before you long. And so, it's going to be a couple things that um, we're going to talk about today. Uh, one of the things we're going to talk about is uh, what we like to say in the body of Christ: fighting the good fight, how to fight the good fight of faith, and how are we fighting the good fight uh, in our own individual lives, and are we allowing ourselves time enough in the presence of God so that we can actually fight? Or are we so busy that we're not in a position to really, really fight the good fight of faith? A lot of times people believe that everything that they need is just going to come falling out the sky. And this is one of the biggest lessons that have made us lazy, uh, believers where we don't have to utilize our faith, where we don't have to utilize any physical work, but there is a physical work, uh, that is necessary in order for us to obtain the truth and the biblical principles into our spirit. And the way that we utilize that is because we have access into the very throne room of God through prayer, which we just got finished doing. And my prayer was strategic and it was an example of how we fight a good fight, how we release this natural realm And call into existence the kingdom of God, the presence of our God, whereby we have been empowered and sealed with. And the only way that we can do that is if we utilize our faith and we learn to fight a good fight of faith. The first way we fight a good fight of faith is we must first believe We must come to a place in our lives where we are no longer religious, where we are no longer pretending, where we are no longer looking for an easy way out. And I think what happens is a lot of us are looking for someone else to do the dirty work. And so, one of the areas that the Lord would have me to talk about is the dirty work of the good fight of faith. Amen. <laughs> so, here we go. There's a dirty work in fighting the good fight of faith. And we got to be willing to do that dirty work. That work that we must do is the first thing we must do is we must understand that God God has rules. That his kingdom is not absent of rules because it's a kingdom of faith. The law of faith is not absent from structure. It is still a law. And it still has things that must be done in order for it to operate the law of gravity operates the laws within our community operate those who enforce the law operate within a governing system and the laws of the kingdom operate so how does God operate how do we understand how he operates First, God is very clear that he has one rule, and that rule is that he does not tolerate sin in his kingdom. In 1 John, the third chapter, verse 8, it says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he may destroy the works of the devil. So that is God's rule. He gave it. He established it. He made a way and a provision so that sin could not be in his kingdom. And anyone who wants to be in his kingdom must operate in a sinless life. It is not negotiable every person human being in this earthly realm who wants to experience the kingdom of God in their life must accept that Jesus Christ was specifically sent to deal with our sinful nature and to make a way for us to come out of that sinful nature in our human bodies and flow in the rim of the spirit where we transfer the holiness that is in heaven into our lifestyles through the word of God. That holiness does not flow because of gifts. That holiness does not flow because of our talents. That holiness does not flow because of who we're born to or being associated with a minister. But that holiness flows through the word of God and through that, which Jesus Christ has done through his sacrifice. When he laid down his life, we have a gift. In that. It is something that cannot be taken from us. It is something that cannot be bought by another person and given to us. It has been handed to each and every soul. And we are all going to have to give an account with what we did with the gift of righteousness, because it's given to us. Our role then, is clear. According to 1 Timothy, the sixth chapter and verse 12, it says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So we learn that we have a responsibility to confess the Lord in front of many witnesses. And how do we do that? We do that by how we live our lifestyle, how we respond when we hear the word of God, how we react to the many challenges that the word challenges us to change about ourselves, within our communities, and within the body of Christ. So now that we're in the body of Christ, Now that we have confessed with our mouth the Lord Jesus, now that many of us have decided that we're going to answer the call of God upon our lives, what are we going to do? How do we answer that call? How do we know that we have answered that call? We do it by faith. We fight the good fight of faith. In 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, it says everyone who competes in the games trains with strict discipline they do it for a crown that is perishable but we do it for a crown that is imperishable we have something that has been promised to us and then in second corinthians it tells us the ninth chapter again because of the proof this ministry provides the saints will glorify god for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for the generosity of your contribution to them and to all the others. So that's another one of the dirty works. (laughs) And the reason why is because it requires that you be used. You provide for the saints. You provide with your confession and you're a witness In the gospel, you're not afraid or ashamed to contribute your life and your time. Um, Many people want to say that they are gods and we have 168 hours in a week and we give all of our strength to secular jobs, to outside relationships, outside of the Holy Spirit. We give it to relationships, to people to uh, now virtual worlds, uh, social media. We give all of our attention to all of these outside things, but there is a work that must be done by us. And that work is not going to be done by God. That work is not going to be done by your apostles, your prophets, your teachers, your evangelists. It is a personal work that must be done in the life of every believer even the apostle, even the prophet, you must spend time in your relationship with God and in the Holy Spirit. And then people try to get real deep. They'll say, well, I pray all the time. I'm praying while I'm working. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But they still don't have any direction. They still have not accomplished what it is God has told them to do And they're still waiting for God to do it through them. And they're wondering why it's not happening. And it's because they will not take the time to stop making their self-imposed kingdom and come on the kingdom side and begin to do the work that God has called them to do. It's going to require sacrifices. It's going to require, you know, you may not be able to eat lunch every day at work. You may have to use your lunchtime writing out a proposal of how to get something accomplished for God. You may have to do something else with your lunch hour. You may have to go feed the sick. You may have to go pray for someone else. The money that you're going to spend on lunch, you may have to go give it to a single family in your community, someone that you're passing by every day but you're ignoring because you're so focused on your self-imposed kingdom and how God is going to make you great and how he's going to prosper the work of your hands, that your hands are only working for you. They're not doing what it is that God has asked you to do for those around you. You have no contributions to your community. You're not contributing. So if you're not contributing to the kingdom, this earthly kingdom and everything you do in this earthly kingdom is for you. How dare we say that we're in the kingdom of God. If everything you do down here is for you, how are you doing anything for the kingdom of God? So we must fight the good fight of faith and how we utilize our time how we lay hold of eternal life is the eternal life that we share. If you're not sharing any eternal life, you haven't laid hold of it. It wasn't just to save you. Although it was just to save you. It was to make you a witness that you could go forward and make disciples. Again, Philippians, the first chapter, it says, since you are encountering the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So he's talking to the disciples and he's like, I notice that you're having some struggles in your walk. These are things that I myself are going through. These are not something that is going to be a far off from me or you a lot of times as believers we don't want to hear that we're going to have to struggle in our walk with the Lord we want to hear that everything is going to be okay and it is going to be okay but some things require that we be perfected so in Philippians the third chapter Verse 12, it says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been perfected, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He did it for me. So in order to take hold of the kingdom, we must be willing, as we learn in Philippians, the first chapter, we must be willing to go through the struggles of letting go of our self-imposed dreams, our self-imposed desires and kingdoms and enter into a place where we are grabbing hold of the purposes of God, grabbing hold of the people of God, contributing into their life so that collectively together we can go forward and possess the kingdom. A lot of times I recognize as a mom that A lot of times the things that I desire to do that are noble and worthy of praise are hindered. Not that I don't love my children, not that I don't love my family. I find that these things are hindered because it's easy to get so focused on just my family and to just nurture my family that I leave out the community in which I live. And so I'm busy building my family, building my family, and I'm forgetting about my neighbor. And so in order to really bring the kingdom of God into our world, one of the first commandments that God gave to us was to be fruitful and multiply And most people, they like to hear multiplication, especially if it's a man or a woman and they want to have sex, they want to make babies. But we're also required to multiply physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually. God wants us to multiply in every aspect relationally in in the kingdom. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to duplicate Okay, what Yeshua has done. And in order to do that, we're going to have to what? Make disciples. So we're going to have to get past ourselves, the comfortable zone and get our hands dirty. We're going to have to go out into the highways and share the gospel. We're going to have to see somebody hungry and feed them. We're going to have to lay hands on the sick. We're going to have to pray. We're going to have to go beyond just ourselves. And in order to do that, it requires intimacy with God so that we do not mishandle people incorrectly, you know, It's easy to discipline your own family the way that you want. You can raise your voice. You can yell. Uh, You can yell so much as a father that you destroy the spirit of a child. Uh, Or you can just be so condemning as a mother that the child can't even hold their head up. And every time that you talk to them, the child is wanting to cry. This is not how God desires for the fivefold ministry to operate in the earth. He says, with loving kindness, have I drawn them? He says, he who wins souls is what? Wise. So as we operate in the kingdom of God, God will place his heart in us and he will demonstrate through us his love for humanity. It is the Holy Spirit that judges all things in this world and in the world to come. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit and people the grace to grow. So part of the dirty work in the kingdom of God is learning to give others the grace to grow. And first Colossians or Colossians, I'm sorry, the third chapter, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts for to this you were called as members of one body and be thankful. And first Timothy, the first chapter, he says, Timothy, my child, I entrust you with this command in keeping with the previous prophecies that you so that by them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good consciousness, which some have rejected and thereby shipwrecked their faith. He tells us in the fourth chapter that we are not to shipwreck our faith, but we're not also to allow others to cause us to bring neglect to the things and the plans that God has for us, so there's gifts that each and every human being has, and there are promises over those gifts those gifts were needed in the earth. your creative ability, your ability to be an engineer, your ability to be a doctor, your ability to manage uh, people um, these are all gifts. And these gifts are needed. There is a problem somewhere that you have been created to solve. And in creating you, God designed you to meet that need of that problem. Not only do we have to identify with what problem we are to solve, but we are to identify and connect with those who will help us overcome our own problems. And a lot of times you find that people are so busy working, taking care of everyone else and doing other things that they have neglected to do the dirty work for their own lives. They're not taking care of their problems well. They're not identifying that they have a problem. They're not identifying that they have something that they need to work at, something that they need to develop. And they're going on and they just want to maintain and show off in a gift without doing the homework to correct the other problems that are in their life. And so God wants us to be balanced. And in order to have this balance, we must be willing to look at ourselves not through rose-colored glasses or not that our faith doesn't see things properly. We're not to close a blind eye to abuse because we have faith that God is going to save a person. We're not to have a blind eye towards someone who's stealing or lying because we're believing for their salvation. We are to deal with these things, and these things are often considered dirty. These things are things that we don't want to involve ourselves in because it requires that we deal with the character of another person. And in order to deal with the character of another person, we have to first look at ourselves and we have to first consider ourselves. And we have to first consider, is this something that I'm willing to walk through with this person until they get it? Or in the middle of their deliverance, in the middle of their sanctification, am I going to flip out and leave the work undone? You know, there's a scripture that says it's better for a person to not have known the Lord than to have known the Lord and depart and leave the work undone. Who puts his hands to the plow and then stops in midstream? So how many times have you started something that you haven't finished? How many times have you finished what God has given you to do? All of these are signs that we're not fighting a good fight of faith. We're leaving the work assigned to us undone. Uh, The world is full of men and women that are going from churches to churches to churches joining, starting new beginnings, but never getting involved in the intimacies of that ministry that they joined, never being a part of the outreach, never being a part uh, in minister training, never being a part of community development. They just going, they want to feel good and they leave. Never doing what the Holy Spirit is saying to us tonight, the dirty work. The real work of the ministry It's not just when we're here in prayer or in Bible study. The real work of the ministry happens in our everyday lives, in our everyday community aspects, how we deal when we go in a grocery store, how we handling one another when we ourselves are in pain. Are we willing to make the necessary sacrifices? Are we are we having people uproot their whole life to follow our vision and we don't even pray for them. There's been pastors and ministers and leaders that have said, yeah, the Lord has given you to me and I'm with you. And people have left their jobs, their communities, and they're following these pastors all across the globe, following these apostles and the apostle hasn't even taken time to pray for the person has never worked with them in their purpose, but he wants to utilize their gift, but he doesn't care enough to do the work of making a disciple out of that person. And then soon as conflict arises, guess what happens? We just read it in 1 Timothy. That ministry becomes shipwreck. That vision becomes shipwreck. That relationship becomes shipwrecked. Everything is destroyed because no one is taking the time to do the dirty work, to deal with each other's character, to deal with knowing those that labor among you, and to be fruitful in ministry and in life. We must be willing not to throw the men and women of God away. We must stop mishandling People because of our own ambitions, our own desire or what we want to use them for. What God wants to see happen in the life of a believer is that we take time to pray for those that we have relationships with. That we take time to be in intimate communication with him, praying one for another that we will be healed. Praying for the authority in their life to be under the influence of what? The Holy Spirit. I witnessed a beautiful thing today as I saw the churches in Africa crying out before God that the nations of the world would be delivered from men who have evil communication, demonic entities and things that will corrupt them as leaders. And that's not something that the average person has to do. Although God has called all of us to pray for those in authority, but it was just a beautiful thing to see them do it from nation to nation. How many of us are willing to do that for the community in which we live? How many of us are willing to do that for the leaders that we sit under to ask God for the husband that we marry, that we put all of our trust in for the wife that we marry, put all of our trust in. Have you stopped to think and ask, Lord, deliver my wife from evil human beings that will corrupt her. Have we even prayed a prayer of protection over our children who are being bombarded with corruption every day? Yet we're disciplining them, we're yelling at them, but have you prayed for them? Have you taken the time to use your authority as a believer to cut off those negative influences, to cut off that demonic activity? Are you bringing correction without establishing a relationship? And if you are, this is why you're not making disciples. This is why you're frustrated within ministry. We must take the time because God will show you how to correct. He will show you what to say. He will show you how to do it now. Now, everybody's not going to receive correction. Everybody's not going to receive direction, but at least we can do our part within our communities within our homes, within our jobs. Amen. And I have two more verses that the Lord will have me to read, and then I'm done. Now, remember, we're fighting. All of this is part of fighting the good fight of faith. In Romans, the 16th chapter, it says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So, how does this happen? This happens because we 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 break the thread of Satan off of the life of those that God brings into our lives in a couple ways. We break the influences of Satan and are able to crush him through prayer. We're able to defeat the works of the enemy through fasting. We're able to break demonic influences and violence through the teaching of the gospel. And ultimately, the teaching of the gospel causes us to make disciples. Everyone talks about the gospel, but they don't want to go into the position where The gospel is not just salvation. It's not just salvation. It's salvation. It's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's, It's the sanctification of the Word. It's the resurrection. And it's what? Then the Ascension where we go to meet the Lord. And and we have to be willing to, 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 to bring out every part of what the kingdom is. In our daily life, how are we going to do it? How are we showing the death? Some of us are only showing the death. We never show others how they can be empowered to live for God. That's the influence of the Holy Spirit. I like it when I read in the word of God, where the apostle says to believers when he meets them, he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And truly this would make ministry easy if we would spend time empowering others how to receive from the Holy Spirit because ultimately that is what Yeshua left us he left us his Holy Spirit so that we could fight the good fight of faith we cannot amen We cannot continue on boasting in anything other than we are dead in Christ and we're alive in him. We're dead in Christ and we're alive in him. We pass from death to life. What part of us has died? Our fleshly nature those things that do not glorify God. These are the things that we die to what daily. We die to these things daily so that we do what? Go forward and accomplish all that God has called us to do. In Hebrews, the 13th chapter, it says by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Don't forget or neglect to do kindness and good, to be generous and distribute and contribute to the needy or to the church. The proof for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Hebrews, the 13th chapter in the Amplified Bible. And the last one I want to read is in Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And they stood. They should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endure forever. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord the Lord sent ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab and Mount Syria, which were come against Judah and they were smiting. So the greatest way we fight the good fight of faith, which brings us to our close, is we learn to fight the good fight of faith through prayer, through discipleship and through praise. Praise is a mighty weapon. Praise is when we have done all that we have needed to do. As you, as you go back and read Second Chronicles, you'll find that the armies of the Lord were following instruction. So after we go through preparing for battle, After we go through preparing our minds, our hearts, our communities, after we go through preparing the men and women of God for battle by giving them the word and praying without ceasing for them and raising them to fear the Lord and to honor him. There comes a time even in the battle that we must learn to praise the Lord. And this is one part of the good fight of faith that many people miss because they're getting weighed down and fighting the good fight of faith, they miss this valid point that God inhabits the praise of his people and that if we would praise him, even in our everyday lifestyle, if we would live a life of thankfulness and praise unto him, many of our enemies would be defeated. So I want to encourage you all To look at how you're fighting. The enemy is not going to fight you fair. He's going to fight you dirty. So you must fight dirty. The Bible says that we are to be wise as serpents, yet harmless as doves. How do we fight dirty? We have to have intimate time with God. We have to have intimate time with those whom we serve with so that we can know how to effectively pray for one another. If we have leaders that are being destroyed by the enemy and they're the ones that are leading us, how do we expect to escape? if the enemy is striking down your leaders and your leaders are not being built up or covered in prayer and no one is praying, how do you expect to fight the good fight of faith? You cannot do it. So then we come to the point where we're edifying one another, where we're giving, we're contributing to each other's life. That is another way we fight the good fight of faith. Meaning if the apostle is without food, then the body should come together to make sure that we are an effective witness in the earth, that we take care of our own. Why? Because God takes care of his own. Every occultic practice on the face of the earth does it. We're lacking in this area and we need to develop a different sense of community so that no one among us that God has given to us and planted us in the kingdom together, not necessarily in a building together. But we're touching each other's lives. We should be contributing to one another's livelihood and prayer and fasting for one another and also contributing monetary if need be or with physical needs. even within our relationships with our family, how many times this past week in 168 hours did you stop and hug your child or just hold your child's hand? Or did you stop and hold your wife's hand and say, you know, I'm praying for you. When you went to get gas and you, you saw a card, why not stop and pick up the card and, And give it and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. And put a couple dollars in there. Put it in the mail. Now we have technology at our fingertips. You can send somebody $10 at the fingertip through Cash App. Just to say hi, treat your child to lunch. They may be working a little job or something. send them ten dollars in cash up and say, "Hey, I'm so proud of you, son. I'm so proud of you, daughter. We must learn to contribute to people, especially those that we want so much for from. We want everything from our local government, but how many of us really pray that we may live those peaceable lives that Timothy talks about? those in leadership so we have to fight the good fight of faith correctly it's not enough to believe in God but our works must measure what we say we believe and that's the word of the Lord for tonight I hope you enjoyed this quick Bible study I hope it ministers to you and that you find it in your heart to remember that after you have done all